Don the Predator Fry. We're the United States of America. We're the toughest people ever walked this planet. It has to be Frank Mir. People ask, do you feel bad you broke the person's arm? No. Chael Sonnen. If you want to manipulate the system, first thing you have to do is understand the system. Jason Mayhem Miller. It was the worst experience of my life. Almost as bad as being on this show. It's time to knuckle up and throw down. Look at you embracing the hair color. I love it. Just, well, just owning I that, that shit. I, I, I did that, uh, I'll say, relatively recently. I'll say recently within the last, uh, I'll say, year or so. It's... Uh, you know, I mean, the, the reality is now is that okay, I, I will be going on sixty four. It's kind of like going. It's uh, I, I actually I, I should be happy that I still actually have some hair. <laughs> sure, of course. <laughs> so, and it's uh, but I tell when people come up because I I was just in uh, you know like Manchester, England, because uh, a couple weekends back, and as people come at the table, you know, they they what what probably attracts them most time is I always say that I can get old fat lose all my hair, the whole nine yards, but as long as I put on a couple of sparkly, sparkly, so what you mean is a couple belts. People yeah. always look to see what are the belts, and they see the uh, UFC belt, and they'll see the NWA uh, professional wrestling belt, and they'll see that, and they, they start looking at the pictures, they start looking at you, and I go, I go, I go, that's called psychology 101, and I go, what do you mean? I go, I go, I go, I've been coloring my hair since basically about 27. I said, I yeah. previously started turning gray, I, I, I had a beard for, for about four years, and I had buddies that were starting to bust my chops there, but like, uh, dude, you got to stop eating those powdered white donuts. And I'm like, going, powdered white donuts? I go, I don't eat. And like, it's all dropping on your chin. So it's like, going, okay, all right. Bust my chops. So it's like, I started coloring the chin, then it's going to shave that beard up, but then started going the other route. But it's like, going, well, it is what it is. But but if you were to be a competitor, it's a cage fighting match, and you walked into a cage and you saw a gray-haired person across from you would you be as intimidated now again all combative athletics is all about there's there's psychological factors there's physical factors obviously but there's also psychological factors and uh visual the eyes uh tell a great story and i i I know that most of my life as just being an amateur wrestler you know when when you're young in your age and all of a sudden you see somebody have hair on their chest you know hair on their face and all that i mean it just all depends on what age are you at and you see these kind of things, but then I was thinking, you know, gray-haired, I might not be as intimidated against a gray-haired person. So it's like, let's, this is, uh, it used to be just for men number 45. Yes. <laughs> Color number 45. <laughs> uh, I even love Don it. Fry, even Don Fry busted my chops before he goes, he goes. Of course you know, he busted your chops. That's well, all he I knows mean, how he, to do. He, he does it all the time. But, but uh, I mean, he, uh, he one of the first times he's at one of my, uh, UFC uh, shows they're part of the entourage. He's like, uh, just before the match, like a day or a day or two before the match, I'm, I'm on this excursion going through, I don't know, like a local Walmart or something like that. And he's like, what what secret element is, is that? And he sees me picking up two boxes of just for men number 45. And he's like, God, he's like, God, I go, Don, visual. When people see things, I go, it's, it's a whole big difference. I go, White is one thing, but dark and dastardly, that's a whole different animal now. It it created an aura, that's for sure. Um, (laughs) Okay. All right. Let me do a quick open and we'll we'll dig right into it. I thought we were rolling already. (laughs) Well, we're going to have to find a way to like put that in there because that was really good. (laughs) All right. I'll, I'll do a quick open here. 
And welcome to another episode of In This Corner. We're going to have Dan the Beast Severn returning to the podcast, a brand new interview with Dan. Very excited about that. One of my absolute favorite people in the industry today. So I love all the stories that Dan brings. I love the way he delivers them. Uh, We're going to hear about the Ultimate Ultimate 95. We know how epic that was. One of the first big extravaganza events ever for the UFC. Now we see these huge big July 4th and uh, big New Year, Super Bowl weekend type extravaganzas that the UFC does. Well, kind of all started with the Ultimate Ultimate 95. It's one of those one-night tournaments, and Dan Severn was an absolute beast in that tournament. So we're going to talk to Dan and he may go off the rails a little bit talking about, you know, the current state of America, but that's okay. We're going to have fun with it anyways. Uh, that being said, everybody that is supporting the podcast, you guys are amazing that are subscribing to the podcast on whatever podcast platform joining us on YouTube for the video version. We get that out for every interview, but, uh, leaving comments, leaving rating, subscribing, it really does go a long way. I don't think you guys understand what that really means. Uh, for the podcast, but it does go a long way. And I appreciate everybody that is definitely participating in that. With that being said, let's not waste any more time. Let's bring the beast back in as Dan the Beast Severn right here on In This Corner. Welcome back, Dan. It is uh, great to have you back on the show. Hey, this to be here, Cyrus. Uh, as as uh, the the thing goes, where's the beast today? The beast is in Coldwater, Michigan. I just made it back here just a couple of days ago from my various travels. There are sometimes as yeah. I'm rubbing the sleep out of my eyes in the morning, as to I have to pull out the old portable braid to find out. Okay, where am I at, and what is my function today? So still using the book. I think doesn't everybody just use their phone for those sort of things? You're still you know, they talk going to old me school. About, they talk to me about this electronics here all the time. But I go, I go, if I drop this, I'm kind of screwed. If I drop this in water, I'm kind of screwed. This still works after I drop it. This still works after I even drop it into water. So it's kind of going, yeah, it's a little bit old school, uh, but you know, it works for me. Just one of the many lessons that you can uh, teach the youth, Mr. Severn. Uh, <laughs> well, let's let's talk about what you've been up to because um, I know you and I talked uh, yesterday on the phone, and you talked about how you kind of had to reinvent yourself with the pandemic. I think we all did, yes. especially yes. if you wanted to continue to make money. If you didn't want to make money and you just wanted to sit around, you could do that as well. But that's not really in your DNA. Um, talk about kind of well, how things well, have changed since 2019. I'm going to haunt you there. I just thought about one point. It's not my DNA. It's just my, my, my DNA says there's no such thing as free in this world. And that's what's happening to our country. I mean, not that I want to delve into politics, because politics makes either enemies of us all, because uh, you know, not too many people are ever going to agree at any one point, but uh, the sheer stupidity that has been happening in the last two years. Again, I could care less whether you are a believer and that, that there's a really there is this COVID crisis or there's not, but there's nothing like it. And, and, and you are seeing all this new proof coming out that uh, what good were these masks doing in the first place? What was all this uh, keeping people home from work or keeping them home from school? All the all the backlashes that has happened from school children or or you need to get vaccinated. You need to be double backs, triple backs. You know, you need a booster back. And all the repercussions. There's so much stuff that's coming out, but the sad part, Cyrus, is who do you believe? Because 
media is no longer held accountable for what spews out of your mouth. There, at a much different type era, had something spilled out of your mouth that uh, uh, someone might have had a uh, concern about. It might have ended up in a, a fist upside your head. But you know, we live in this right. so happy society now that you just can't do that. Especially with all these cell phone devices around and people, not too many people ever want to get in there to stop an action, but they're all right there to record the action. Yes. yes. True. There yes. are so many, and again, you have to excuse some of my, the language that I may use there, but there are a lot of pussies in the world nowadays. And I call this as a, the one of these devices that has uh, helped delve the pussification of the United States, the neutering of men, the neutering of people wanting to. Be bold and say things, and uh, yes, <laughs> Cyrus. I haven't even oh. had a cup. I haven't even had a cup, a cup of coffee yet this morning. So think about that one. I got you charged up. I got you charged <laughs> up today. <dude. laughs> well, we'll t- talk about like just business wise, like how how you've had to change things up. Oh, uh, what you had to do since twenty twenty because I know a lot has changed. Yeah, I'll get well. Yes, just just due to not being able to go out at these public types of gatherings, uh, conducting seminars, conduct speaking engagements. So I'll simply say that having to learn more about technology, having to learn more about again how to utilize the cell phone a little bit more, how to utilize the computer a little bit more. I mean, I but then also working in states that are open for business as opposed to a lot of states uh, that were not opened up for business. Sure. There's yeah. certain states like, like, like Florida, Texas, Arizona. I, I don't, there's something about states that are colored red seem like they were open for business. And these, these states that were colored blue, they're all singing the blues because no business. I go, I go, I go. Let me see if I can kick up a song here for you. I remember, I remember when I had a job and I used to go to work. But nowadays I stay at home and the government sends me a check. So why do I need to work? I don't get I Sorry, I'm not rhyming all that well with that, but it's, uh, you know, I, I, I don't have the, you know, the, the guitar going or stuff like that. But uh, again, that's kind of like the blues. That was that was the dance ever <laughs> blues track. Yeah, well, we yeah, it, it. it will never make the top 40. It might make the bottom 40, but yeah, not the top 40. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, you know, one you thing just about, never know what you're gonna get with me, do you there, uh, Cyrus? I've got no. like a grab a grab bank special. <laughs> oh man. Usually, usually, you know, you usually when I get Don on, when I get Don Fry on, I know I'm really gonna get a live wire and it could go haywire, but uh, but you're showing me that you got a little bit. You must have been hanging out with Don a little bit more uh, lately. Is what well, I think. I'll say you know, between just, you know, do, doing our own little podcast there together, it's a... Uh, it's masculinity, inter- yeah, right? It's a, it's a district. It's, it's just a different kind of plan because it's... I actually think I, I probably have a much better chance of having a political career than what probably Don does. I mean, Don just... Uh, he's not... Uh, uh, not very politically correct whatsoever, but I mean that's okay for Don. Yeah, it works. It works for him now. I mean, now that begs the question: you more of a chance to have a political career. You're talking more politics than I think I've ever talked to you about. Um, is, is that a thing? Could could you jump into the to a race, a statewide race, a local race, a national race? I, I have a, a number of uh, friends. Uh, that have it, it said, dude, why you should? I, I go, well, 
because I don't think the government or the world is ready for somebody like you. Like me. a new challenge, though. You love a challenge. Oh, I love do. I challenge. do. I mean, rest assured, I, I, I'm up for the challenge. Uh, it, it's uh, there's well, there's so many things that are wrong, but at the same token, what other country would I would I rather live in? None. None. That no, there is agreed. there is a reason why all foreigners do come to the United States. Absolutely. We truly uh, are the land of opportunity. They can't do things in other countries. They can work as hard as they want, but it, because it's either a socialistic or communistic type of country, you're still going to be compensated the way uh, the, the exact same thing as the, the next person next to you. So what is your incentive to do better? If anything, you, you continue to lower the bar is all you really do. So and inside the United States, it's uh, you know, I've been I've been listening to a couple more Elon Musk uh, interviews, even at, as of late, just to again to see a little bit more insight of you know what's he all about, uh, what what yep. makes this man tick, and uh, you know just it's kind of it's just kind of interesting, you know. So you know, he he's an interesting guy, and uh, I agree with you on that. And one thing that <clears throat> I think that you have in common with a guy like an Elon Musk, or and something that I really admire you for is your work ethic is because you're always on the ball. And I remember the first time, you know, that we ever came upon each other and actually started really talking, we were in the car and, you know, you had just gotten off the plane. We went over to a subway and you instantly got your laptop out and you were working and you were making phone calls. And this was fairly late at night, eight, nine o'clock at night. And and you're tearing up this subway sandwich with egg all over it. Um, (laughs) <laughs> it looks I, I probably won't I probably won't be invited to too many dinner parties, yes. <laughs> but my manners have a little bit of something to be desired. I can't be just wiping my, my mouth with my back of my sleeve there. But no, I'm no I, again I will agree in one aspect because I did read uh in a number of well again uh read and or listen to some of uh, Elon Musk for he talks about just that work ethic of you know, are you just gonna put your standard 40 hours a week in? And you're going to be content with just your 40 hours a week, or are you going to put in, you know, 80 hours a week or or 100 plus hours a week? I'm thinking, you know, I, I simply know that while I'm awake, I'm always have doing something. It's kind of like you know, right? you're catching me now in uh, my Coldwater, Michigan location. This is where my training facility is located at, and. Uh, just uh, yesterday, I'll, I'll say there was kind of like a little bit of a, a family crisis that was kind of taking place, and I was I was I was being asked to monitor my my mother-in-law. Well, my mother-in-law happens to be uh, ninety-four years of age. So again, it's, but but it's it's never. She's a she's a sharp cat. She's a she's a sharp cat for her for her age and stuff like that. So I, I knew exactly what was going to happen. So as I go up to say, I've been told that I have to I have to babysit you, you know. And she and she goes, Oh, really? Now? So I said, So I go. I said, So get your get your jacket, get your hat on. Let's go outside because all it was was. It, it was a turnabout. She was actually in the t- babysitting me as she was telling me what to do. Like this tree needs to be trimmed. So I'm over there trimming this tree and I'm over there trimming that tree. And so literally she got a lot of yard work, guard work out of yours. Truly. I I knew that walking into it. So it's like going out. I already had my tools kind of strategically placed on. I know exactly how this is going to play out because a woman doesn't like to be indoors. She likes to be outdoors, enjoying the sunlight and being outdoors and working. Because if you, if you sit around, again, this pertains to anybody and everybody. 
And, and Americans, we do, we are a very sedentary society. We do a lot of sitting. And you, you need to get up and you get to keep moving. So I, I literally, even when I'm at my desk, I will use this device to set my alarm uh, for like every hour to an hour and a half to where as I go, it will go off to where I have to go off and do something physical. I can't just sit here and just keep typing away and use the mental aspect. I, I get up, I go off and do something physical. Again, whether it's going outside and raking up some, some leaves or uh, trimming a hedge or doing something else or even Again, if it, so I have, you have to see my privacy sometimes because you see how I, I I have set it up to where I have to pay a price for everything. Even if I go back to my kitchen to get a cup of coffee or something like that, I have to, I, I pass through the weight room. I have to stop and I have to I have to do something. I have to either do a set of dips, a set of pull ups, or grab a couple of dumbbells because I have to pay the piper. And again, that's what people don't realize. They all oh, think they have to they have to go to the gym. Or they have to go do this, or they have to do that. I go, no, I go, most people lack the uh, the mental fortitude to actually get up and to go to the gym and then, then to go work, work out. Then you got to look at the cost factors. Well, what did that floor cost you? Nothing. Roll out of bed, roll out of the floor. Give yourself a few push-ups. Give yourself a few sit-ups. A couple yeah. crossovers, a couple stretches. You know, I mean, it's, it, the thing I'm starting to fight now is father time. Because yeah. you got to look at what are your what are what are your mortality rates? Though so the well the, the mortality rates are all based upon life insurance stuff like that. Based upon me right now, I'm on the other side of the mountain sliding. Sliding yeah. is what I'm doing. But I, I, I tell people that oh I expect to be around till about 125. And at, at 125, I want to have my life taken tragically and suddenly by a jealous husband. <laughs> It's it's my dream. It's my world, there, Cyrus. Now, why not? So it's, you know, it, it, it's what it, it's what puts a smile on my face. Now, granted, Cyrus, she will be a much younger woman than me. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> she might be in her late eighties, early nineties, something like that. You know. So. Yeah. No, I I love what you're talking about with staying staying busy with being physical, not just mental. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think everybody, including myself, is always looking for ways to do better time management. There's so many ways that you can occupy your time and not just sitting, but there's just a thousand things that you can do that aren't productive, uh, that don't help you pay another bill or make more money or uh, get another job. Uh, yeah. But there's ways to occupy yourself, but I think it's good. I think you're mixing in the physical, you're mix, missing in the mental as well. And I think everybody's looking for those secrets, looking for those you know, little ideas that can help them uh, be more productive and be more successful. And that, and that's kind of what I was trying to get from you. You know, what are those secrets or what are those things that you've put into your life that have been able to keep you on track and not let you really get sidetracked into other stuff? Oh, well, again, there's, there are uh, the distractions that, that that's tough because the, the, the distractions are always going to be there. People are always going to try to uh, take more and more time out of, out of your, your, your day. Um, that's the, the tough part. I'll say that just becoming successful in, in the first place, this is always hard to say, but you have to sometimes watch out for your family and your friends. They might be some of the biggest landmines because if you if you're with your, your your band of buddies that you're all you're all basically saying you, you you went to you you were in high school together maybe went to, some of you went to went to college together but you're all all sitting in in, in the two with each other and now you're getting out there you get the, the various jobs but 
what's setting you apart from your others that uh, are still putting in that same 40 hour week and they get that same paycheck and they're maybe you do a little, do a little contribution to their 401k things of that nature. It's kind of going, your family and friends don't want you to go way ahead of them because if you do, they're actually going to start reaching out and they're going to grab a hold of you to try to pull okay. you back to keep you with them. Because if you, if you're part of our same group and you're being really successful, now you're, you're making some others might either be jealous at or make, might make them feel bad in the process. It, it's well, I, I, I equate that to the same peer pressure of early in life when you are in like high school and you're starting to go to these parties on a Friday or Saturday, and all of a sudden your buddy's like, oh, let's let's th- let's drink some shots, let's have some beers, and it's kind of like going, well, I, I can't. And they're like, well, why? Well, I have to go wrestle tomorrow. I, I go, I, I even will have to leave here at a certain time because I want to know that I, I have a proper amount of rest. So I make my drive and, and I want to perform at the best of my cap- capabilities. So, I, I mean, I was already faced with that at, you know, seven, yeah. 16, 17, eight, 18 years of age early on. So it, it's just it's just a new to me. It's just a new uh, cycle of uh, I'm working for myself. I think uh, we've covered this, I think, one other time and maybe a different interview that, you know, had everything gone right for me um, in 19, uh, uh, excuse me, 1984, I would have retired back in 1984. I would be a high school teacher or a junior high teacher or a, a college wrestling coach. Those would be that. Those would be my the things I would probably be been doing, and I would have been very content with life because these are things that I went to college for. I went to college to be to be a teacher, and yeah. I ended up getting my teacher certificate, and I have done some student teaching things of nature. Oh, number one sub, you know, basically the two different places that I travel to between uh, Arizona and Michigan. Uh, but it's it's. Uh, I'll just say that you know life kind of got in the way, new opportunities came at hand and I went after those opportunities knowing that sometimes there was no plan B. So I had to succeed because there was no plan B. And yeah. that, that's, that's kind of tough when, when you, when you go to, into the uh, something like that, especially competition where anything can and will happen, uh, even not even having health benefits for yeah. uh, a decade yeah. or more, knowing that I have to walk out here and I can't, I can't afford to even be hurt. Yeah, that, that makes that makes sense too. Yeah, when your back's against the wall, yeah, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. The yeah. way you treat your body, with the way you handle yourself, uh, when you don't have that insurance to fall back on. Well, I love hearing about that. And speaking of competition, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, and this time, I'm going to go. I'm going to go into wrestling first. And uh, I want to. Are we talking about amateur wrestling or professional wrestling? <laughs> we we talked about this. Before. <laughs> professional wrestling. Okay. Uh, I, there is a, a lot big of the difference. people that listen to you, this. You even have to use that word, wrestling, not, not amateur <laughs> wrestling, wrestling. Wrestling. So, All right. speaking of wrestling, um, you know, your time in the WWF, which I know a lot of people go back to this on a regular basis. You're in conventions, and it probably amazes you how much people have held on to that stint that you had into the WWF because it really wasn't all that long. I think I have oh, to put on the sunglasses here now because we're talking about Professor Rath and I got turned <laughs> super cool here right now. I know. 
<laughs> Why didn't you ever bring those? You should have brought those to the ring when you were in the WWF. Where were the glasses then? Well, <laughs> I'll just say maybe, I, maybe I'm losing a few more marbles as I get older here right now. I've become more and more of a character than, than ever. But <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you know, I know that you had some interactions with The Undertaker. Now, The Undertaker just went into the WWE Hall of Fame. Yes. Obviously, one of the most tenured guys in the entire business, spent the most time there, never left Vince. Kind of became, you know, that locker room guy, guy that ran the locker room, held court, et cetera, et cetera. What sort of interactions did you have with him while you were there? Why? Well, I know, I, mean, I know I, the story of the whole. You were supposed to go into his ministry and the six 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 and all that. Yeah, I mean, but he and I never, never even spoke about any of that uh, to begin with. Uh, I mean, it was. Um, I mean, people like and Al Snow, I had uh, definitely much more. I knew Al Snow before ever being with the WWF at the time, so he was someone that that I I got along really, really well with. Everybody else, I kind of I kind of just stayed back and I kind of watched, observed. I kind of kept to myself. I always had my my planner with me. I always had my laptop, stuff like that. And uh, each time that uh, I would go to one of their uh, Monday night Raws or their Tuesday night tapings. Yeah. Um, I basically, they always wanted you to get there sometime around like one, somewhere between noon and one o'clock in the afternoon. And as I arrived there, I just, you know, they always had like a makeshift uh, cafeteria somewhere. I, I just go into that area, I get plugged in, and I, I'm just working and I'm just do, doing my thing, making my phone calls, and just, and, I, and I, I'm simply observing people because there's good and bad everywhere you go. It, it just, it just, you know, you don't know what the dynamics are. So I just kind of kept quiet, kind of kept to myself. I drove in by myself. I drove away by myself, but I watched the different dynamics of, you know, who's, who's buddy, buddy with who and things of that nature. But it was, uh, you know, and as I, I met different uh, athletes, I mean, I, I basically would always be cordial, would interact, would, would speak with them. And, uh, uh, but when it came to like Undertaker, uh, that, I mean, it just, I just be, would be just cordial with them. I just would be just that, that whole taker. And that's all it was. I mean, or he was a big be, fight. He's a huge fight fan, though. So, yes. I mean, I, I just wonder if, like, there was, you know, maybe an interaction because where he was a fan of you. Because I imagine that he was probably into UFC back then as well, because I know he absolutely loves it now and has a lot of respect for fighters and shows up to UFC fights, et cetera. Was there ever anything like that where he's like, oh, man, you know, Dan Seven? No, no, you know. I, no, I, no, no, nothing uh, really of that nature. I, you know, I just, again, he had his whole persona. It, 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 was, it was a great time, you know, when I was involved with the WWF at that time, it, yeah. was, it was a great time because it was all during the Attitude Era. Uh, the Attitude Era was uh, the fact that the WCW was kicking Vince's butt yeah. on a weekly basis in the ratings. Three weeks. So, yeah. they, so they had to push the envelope. And so it, it, it was it was great the way that Vince, the creative team, that they were pushing the envelope because you know, you got a Stone Cold Steve Austin, you've got The Undertaker, you've got uh, all these other great athletes that, that are that are coming up, rise, rising on up. Uh, it would be like uh, WCW had Goldberg, and uh, the WWF had to uh, come back with Gilbert. You know, I mean, something that was like just way on the opposite. Gilbert couldn't win a single match. You know, yeah. and uh, they, but they just they made certain mockeries of some of the. Stars of WCW, but just again, just pushing that album. It, it was it was a great time uh, being involved with it. Probably uh, one of the unique things of, of interactions I ever had with, like the Undertaker, was uh, excuse me, uh, was, was was when he was about at his Hell in a Cell match. 
Yeah. Him and uh, uh, Mankind, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Mick Foley, uh, they're, they're doing their thing. I'm sitting back there with uh, Terry Funk and with, uh, I, I forget what the doctor's name was at the time, but there's Dr. really Jeff? just... A, Steve no, Williams? No, 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 no. Had, it, Steve Williams, that, you know, Steve Williams and the old uh, bra for all that, that, that whole thing happened uh, well after that. Um, but I'm back to with one of their, their normal physicians. Oh, and, okay. and, we're, and we're watching, and we're actually watching uh, this Hell in the Cell match. And Terry Funk had his shoes, you know, basically unlaced. He's very comfortable sitting back there because this, 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 this is the main event, uh, shows stuff like that. The one thing, and, and things, what went wrong during that match is that, as Taker picks up and basically uh, drops Mick Foley onto the cage, the cage gives away. It was supposed to give away, but I think it's supposed to give away at a much more slow, rapid, and it was going to be a slower descent, or just it just gave way. Mick Foley falls down. Mick Foley is is literally knocked out. Yeah, and this is and the you know there's quite a bit of time left on, on this pay per view, and this was not supposed to happen. Now we did get knocked out. The chair that was up on the top there, they were battling with the chair. The chair actually hits Mick Foley in the in the mouth and knocks out, I think, like one or two more teeth. Yes. And so the beauty of professional wrestling that I like is things are going to go wrong. When things go wrong, how do you improvise? That's the real beauty of professional wrestling. And you really find out what each of these athletes, how what, what are they made up? How do they continue on? Well, I'm back there with Terry Funk. All of a sudden, I don't know who came up with the idea, but they're like they sent Terry Funk out there to do battle with the Undertaker, and yeah. so Terry Funk goes out there and he, he does battle. By the time uh, Mick Foley actually wakes up, he sees a pair of tennis shoes inside the ring, but doesn't know how these tennis shoes get got there. Well, because Terry Funk was in there battling with the Undertaker. Undertaker basically. Hits him with the old choke slam as he picks him up. The shoes are laying on the ground still, and Terry Funk is choke slam out of his tennis shoes. And uh, you know, Mick Foley is unaware of any of this stuff taking place. So again, that's some of the beauty about professional wrestling, and <laughs> and how life goes on. And again, I, I saw him the next day because even for him to take that final plunge off the top of that cage. There were no trial runs. You, you yeah. didn't. Uh, you, you're not like to go out there. Look at the winds out of the southwest. Suns in my eyes here. You have to gauge how far you have to jump out to know are you going to overshoot it, undershoot it. That table is only so wide. You get yeah, only course. one chance. Yeah. And he he hits it. He hits it right, and and, and does a deal. All I know is that by the following day i see him he's got an ice pack on his shoulder he's got ice pack on his head he's got stitches in, in, in his lip and stuff like this i'm like i'm like mick are you okay he kind of looks at me he's like he goes well the, doc, the doctor say i will be eventually <laughs> and i'm like going what what price did you pay what price did you pay to do that again professional i say you pay a price because you are getting hit with chairs and you're getting you're, you're being picked up by slams sometimes to tables and there's sometimes there's crazy matches involving thumbtacks and broken glass and and um, yeah. bats with Bob Boyer onto it and, and there's some crazy matches that take place so you pay a price there same way that a lot of these MMA fighters they pay a price each time that they walk in how many times did they get struck in the head 
How many times did you need elbowed? You were knocked out, but when you got knocked out, he jumps down and hits you like another four or five shots with those hammer fists or something like this before the referee was able to get in there and stop this action. It's uh, both industries, you're paying a price. And I just got off this Florida tour. The last thing that was on the Florida tour down to Daytona Beach was uh, a professional convention and a professional show later that evening. At the professional convention, I had a chance to meet up with a lot of older wrestlers. Yeah. But you see a lot of these older wrestlers now, they've got they've got the cane. They've got uh, they've got the walker. They've got this, they, they, they got the they got they 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 don't turn they don't turn at the neck to say if you ask them a question, they don't turn back with the neck to, to see who it is. They rotate at the torso because their neck is like welded into their shoulders anymore because of all the things they've, they've done to get hurt. Stuff like that. Is that something? Is that, is that something that you thought about then when you were in the middle of it? That hey, listen, I'm not going to take all these shots. I'm not going to get thrown on my back, you know, a thousand times. I, obviously, you have a, a few times, but. Is that something you thought about? Like, listen, I need to preserve myself a little bit. I'm seeing what's happening to some of these old timers, and I'm not going to be in that boat. Were you already thinking about that then? Oh, oh yes, oh yes, yeah. No, when yeah. I first got in there again, I yeah, my 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 portrayal was literally I wore the exact same outfit that I wore in the Ultimate Fighting Championships. Yeah, of course. So it's kind of like going they wanted they wanted to have the same crossover, so they just you know by me walking out there just showing that I'm wearing the same sweaty gray shirt, going out out there and, and doing things. I wanted to stay true that I was a, I was a professional wrestler that actually could wrestle. I would actually do wrestling moves that actually would make some sense. A lot of times the professional wrestler did not know what I was doing because they had never did like amateur wrestling or something like of that. Course. But if I could talk yeah. to someone ahead of time, and Cyrus, you have, yeah, if you got that little bit of that amateur wrestling background, I could do, I could do a few more things with you that I could do with the standard professional wrestler. And, and, and I was always trying to, Carve out a little bit of a different niche because most professional wrestlers they they go out there. It's always flex, flex, flex. Cut these promos. Now, Dan Severn was never going to cut the promo. That, that that's not me. I I had Jim Cornette. He was the voice. He could cut the promo, and then I basically the guy that's going to go out there and just my actions uh, are are what's going to speak my words for me. My actions. Do you feel like, let me ask you this. This is, this is an interesting question because I was going to ask you one side of it, but do you feel like Dan Severn in his prime coming out of UFC would be more effective now? Like if you were in your prime in 2022, or how about on the other side, if you were in your prime in 1970 or 1972 yeah. or 1965 yeah, well, we'll get- or something, it, it would probably be back in the day, right? Because there used to be legit shooters Yes. back then, and they were some of the most successful wrestlers of all time. Yeah, um, I feel like that would have been your heyday. Yeah, it, it would. I've always been referred to as a throwback from days gone by. I, I was actually a professional wrestler of of real ability, and, and you actually had some of these uh, professors that came from different legitimate boxing backgrounds or other legitimate uh, you know type of amateur wrestling backgrounds. So I was. I would have really liked to have been involved. In the time era when the the old territories took existence, yeah. so that it, you know there would be a promotions east, west, north, south, and, and typically you would be in that 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 one territory for maybe a, a, a couple of years, and then there would be that 
ultimately there will be that loser leaves town match. Well, you already know that because your contract is I'm headed back east. But again, the cell phone didn't exist. The exposure of these matches did, did, uh, would not have been exposed. And you lose your match, and now you, you head out off back east. And now you're back there. But people, they're, they're just not hearing about any of these matches that are taking place. And, and literally, Cyrus, you and I could have actually, we could have worked maybe a hundred different times in different cities, uh, in different venues. Because, and it's the same match. It's just that, like, well, tonight, no, you get to win, but you have to win this way. Okay, then tomorrow night, I, I, I get to win, but I get to win a different way. And, and the, the, when you get to work with the same guy over and over again, you know each other's abilities. You know each other's inabilities. So you know how to get the best match out of each other. So I really would have loved to bet in that time period, knowing that you know, you're almost like you're, 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 you're having the time of your life, knowing that, again, I'm going to be safe tonight. I work with Cyrus here tonight. He's going to take care of me. And we're going to have, if anything, I actually enjoyed when I was first beginning to wrestle because I would be out there with some of these these, uh, older timers with it. And literally, they were trying to make me laugh and break character during the middle of the match. Uh, And as I thought, this would have been wonderful to be involved with this a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. We're tied up. You tie it up there, and no else can hear you. Tie it up like there. The guy, oh, your breath is so minty fresh. You know, like you say something <laughs> silly like that, and that you're supposed to be trying to tell each other, you know, put on the big, you know, uh, high testosterone type of things. It just, you know, yeah. Was there anybody that you had a lot of chemistry with? I know, I know, you didn't get into like any really extended feuds in your WWF run. Um, there's a few, few guys you probably wrestled, you know. 10, 15 different times, but was there anybody that you felt like you had really good chemistry with over anybody well, yeah, else? Well, I, they, they kept pairing well, through the, the WWF. I mean, it was uh, the, the periods putting with uh, Ken Shadrock, uh, with Owen, Owen Hart. Hart, and with uh, Black. Uh, yeah, Steve Black. Yeah, so that, that was really the, 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 the angle they kept trying to put us like, as, call this the shooters and stuff of that nature. So it was kind of like we, they were already kind of keyholing us into a certain date. Yeah, you know, but see, a lot of people don't realize. Like early in my professional career, I used to wrestle twice on the card. In the first half of the card, I would go out there as Tubby Tanaka. I had a full body suit on, had a mask. You didn't see one bit of my my what? Tubby Tanaka. Tubby Tanaka. It was it was it was fantastic. I had a I wore a full judo gi, black belt, but I had this body suit on underneath where I looked like I weighed well over 300 pounds, and then and, and I would be putting forth my best uh, Japanese little verbiage right there. Because as the announcer, we we, we say, uh, you know, give it up here for Tubby Tanaka. I, go, I am not Bo, I am not Tubby Tanaka. I am not Tubby Tanaka. I am bold. Oh, fight I bold so much. Yeah, I just get slurring my speech, but then doing this little Japanese type of thing. But then I, I was going to Japan so many different times. And then by watching some of the Japanese wrestlers and then just taking on some of their persona type of things, the over-exaggeration aspects of it. And it, I, I had a blast. Even in the beginning, I even worked the workers, which means I would actually have a separate locker room tour. I would come in early in the card, be Tubby Tanaka, and then I would go back, change that out, and then I would get the show by intermission. So by the second half card, Dan Severn's going to wrestle. And I, I did my job right because there'd be a couple of times I'd be leaving that locker room and uh, I would, I'd see some fans that were waiting around the locker room. And as I'm leaving, they're like, they're like hey, Dan, great match here tonight. I'm like, thanks, guys. And, and I make a, 
I, who are you guys waiting for? They're like going, oh, they're like, Tommy Tanaka. We're going to kick his ass. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I berated, I berated the Americans. I touched on American nerves, knowing that, uh, uh, tell them how, how lazy and Ill- 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 illiterate to all you Americanos are. You sit around watching a Sony television. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you sit around and then we, we buy it up under your stuff, you know. I just, I just, I had a way of, Touching the nerves with that. Was I telling a lie? No. I so, was I was rubbing their faces in reality right there too. Cause get it, but I kept touching the nerve. And it was it was always easy for whoever I worked with because all they had to do is get get that USA chant going for themselves. Yeah. I, I gotta I'm sure there's gonna be some people listening to this podcast that are gonna immediately go to YouTube and search for Tubby Tanaka and I'm try sure to find footage of Tubby Tanaka. Uh, because and, 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 I, and, and, I consider myself a pretty good fan, but I've never heard of Tubby Tanaka in my life. Well, I, I mean, love he was, it. He, he, he obscured it. There's, you know, I didn't do that character out too many other places, uh, out on the, uh, away from say Coldwater, Michigan, but I did it a lot in Coldwater, Michigan at the, 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 the price of glory professional wrestling shows. I love it. I love it. Um, uh, you know, you made mention, obviously you did get paired up with Owen, what was, you know, everybody that talks about Owen Hart talks about how funny he was, how good of a guy he is. Uh, he was uh, how much of a family man he was. Um, get, I know you you had to, I don't know, you didn't ride with anybody, but you were paired with him. So you had to be around him a lot. What was your impression of Owen? Uh, maybe the first time meeting him and then just, you know, ha- being programmed with him for so long. Well, the first time really meeting, uh, the first real interaction was the, uh, um, what was it called? The, the dungeon match between him and Ken Chamark. So, yeah. and this was actually was held at the Hart residence. That's Stu Hart. Hart's, yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, at his home, right down in his basement. I mean, Stu Hart had a, uh, I mean, it was the, the legendary uh, uh, professional wrestling and amateur wrestling training that he did down there because he wanted to know that all of his professional wrestling trainees could actually wrestle. So they literally would be down on the mat and, uh, you know, they would say that you'd hear screams and stuff like that because Stu would be down there stretching different stretching people. Them. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, to be to be up in the living room and sitting there with Stu Hart for you know, a couple hours while they were setting up uh, all the different microphones and 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 how yeah. Ken and, and uh, Owen were, were going to perform this match in, in the in the area. My part was easy as a referee. All I got to do is simply just do things like that. So. You know that that was great. There, that was probably the first time I really get a chance to, to be around um, Owen as well. But then, how was Stu? I mean, what, what oh, was no, the, what was Stu, that like? Stu was, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know that they they basically uh, they gave a, bit, a lot of information as to who I was that I was coming in to be a referee. So I mean, because Stu was starting to ask me different types of questions, like, uh, so hey, you're a you're a shooter, hey, and, 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 and you know, started you know, just talk to me about the the shooting aspect and, and legitimate amateur wrestling, and I yeah. just you know being very cordial and just let them know that yeah, I coach at Arizona State, I coach at Michigan State, I've been involved in sport of wrestling since my seventh grade year, and and uh, you know, but also delved into freestyle wrestling in Greco Rome. So I mean, I it was it was kind of interesting because it was just a couple of weeks later. Then uh, I happened to be at, at another, you know, a raw show or a Tuesday night day, taping, and Owen came up and he gave me a T-shirt. Uh, it was an Owen Hart T-shirt. He goes, my dad doesn't have a T-shirt. He, he said he took one of my T-shirts, but he signed his name and he gave it to me as as a gift. Wow. So I mean, that was, uh, you know, that that, that should that you still meant, have uh, it. You still have the yeah. shirt. I still have. I, I, cool. I have everything. <laughs> <laughs> 
I believe so I, that. Yeah. It's uh, there's there's some stuff that I, I literally I, I'm at that part where it's kind of like what I need to start downsizing. There's there's so much stuff I have that I can put I could take pin the paper and I can I could tell the story where it came from and I can give you a, a letter of authenticity. It is time really to start passing that on because those are the type of things that should go to different people that are going to put it on the proper display. Yeah, because it just uh, it just it, it's going to get lost somewhere. Yeah, you just hey, just send it my way. <laughs> I'll make I'm making a note on that sash right now. Oh, it, all right. <laughs> um let's let's switch gears. Um uh well actually no real quick uh, because I want to finish the point about Owen. Um what what was he like being around? I know you had that first interaction at the dungeon match, but then yeah. you're working together, you're setting up matches, how things are gonna go. He, it you was, have to be around and what was he like? He was uh, again. You, you saw a transition between him as Owen Hart the wrestler, and then there was the Blue Blazer. Yeah, the Blue Blazer character. You, you could almost see this this childlike character coming. He put this on. He's like he just he turned into that mischievous. It's like what? It's like what? What? Can, what? 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 Trump kind of trouble can I get into now? I mean, he really he really loved the character of the Blue Blazer. Yeah. Um, you know, again, it's, it's sad how that kind of went down there. Uh, the, the only, I'll say, the only other, I, I enjoyed all aspects of, of being around Owen, being either a tag team partner with him or working against him. Uh, the only, I'll say, only type of negativity was uh, when we did, in one of our matches where he went to do a, a, the tombstone to me, he screwed up and literally he, he dropped to his butt, allowing no room, and literally I took full impact uh, to the top of my head. So that, oh, wow. I mean, as I, as I hit there, I mean, it was, it was predetermined to simply do this as an injury angle, but there's a proper way of doing it, uh, the tombstone. And then there's an improper way he did it improperly. And, and I took full. So no, so he, force. so not what, what it couldn't have been is an actual pile driver, right? So yes, that yes. was the same thing that hurt Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes. Oh, so, so, so you're saying the same thing actually happened to you as well. Yes. Oh, wow. it, it was. A, I'll say that Steve Austin called me up. I'll say a little over a, about a year or so back. He calls me up because he had. He calls me up by the blue. And he's like, "Daddy goes." He goes, "This is Steve Austin." He goes. He's like, "Well, I know we didn't talk a lot. Well, we were both working for Vince back in you know the, uh, that attitude area." He says, "You had your things to do. I had my things to do." Uh, he goes, but he said a friend of mine recently showed me a uh, video of. Owen doing, you know, the power driver there to you. And, and he's like, he just is like, he goes, you took full, you said you took the full force, didn't you? And I go, yes, I did. He's like, because that's what, that's what happened to Steve. And it resulted in Steve having to have neck surgery, but basically it, it sort of ended his career. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. It, it, did. So it definitely put a, a time limit on it for sure. Yeah. yeah definitely shortened it. Yeah. And so and, 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 oh, uh, then Steve was asking me, he says, are, are you okay? And I, I mean, I just started kidding and laughed. I go, well, I go, you mean mentally and physically here, Steve? And uh, he starts, he, <laughs> he starts laughing. I go, I said, no, I, I, I took the full brunt. I said, I, I felt the bolt of lightning run down my spine. I felt the bolt of lightning run down one of my legs. I go, even though that was part of the angle, as I lay there, trying to stay in character, as I lay there, I, I just want to, I, I try to move my fingers just to see, can I move my fingers? I try to move my toes to make sure that I can still move my toes to see, am I paralyzed? Am I paraplegic? Am I quadriplegic at this point in time? And so, I mean, it was scary to lay there. And I'm thinking, I think, I think, I think everything is still operating here right now. But even then, 
Owen, uh, he knew he screwed up. Yeah. And he he knelt down to try to stay in character, but he just knelt down. But he kind of whispered, he goes, he knelt down, grabbed my hand. And he's like, if you're okay, squeeze my hand. Oh, I, I did that, squeeze his hand. And so the match, match is done. And it was already predetermined that the you know the paramedics are going to come out. They're going to put me on, strap me up on the backboard. They're going to carry me carry me out, and that's uh, basically it. But once they got me through the curtain, that's when I, I got right off the backboard. You know, took the neck, neck braces, all that, and off. That's when Owen came up to me. He's like, "Why did you squeeze my head?" But that's when I grabbed his shirt, and I'm like, "Going, dude, why did you drop me on my head for real?" I go, and that's when I literally. Uh, that would probably be my most intense promo ever, but it wasn't a promo. It was it was real because I go, I wow. said, I go, you screwed up. I go, you violated the number one rule of professional wrestling. Number one rule is you take care of me and I take care of you. And I go, you screwed up. I go, if I should ever have you in that ring again, I will not take care of you at all. I will destroy you is what I will do. I was pissed because I dodged a bullet, Cyrus. That's all it was. I dodged oh, a bullet. I could yeah. be easily in a chair. I could be a paraplegic. I could be a quadriplegic. And that is what has happened. And and I don't want... Let me be the person that screws up and I do it myself. Sure. Not at somebody else's hands that's supposed to be a professional athlete, especially the son of Stu Hart. Yeah. You know? Yeah, very, yeah, very, very unfortunate. And, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of tarnishes uh, on the legacy of Owen, you know, everybody looks back so fondly, but you, you, those, those were a few moments I'm sure that, you know, that he wanted to take back. Um, but, uh, glad that you dodged that bullet, uh, a hundred percent. And you're here, uh, talking with me. Um, let's switch over to fighting here for a moment. Uh, talk about UFC because I, I kind of did a deep dive or I really got in deep the last time I talked to Chael Sonnen and we talked about him and Anderson Silva, uh, the first time around. And he, he said he didn't remember much of it because he was just fully focused and he you know hasn't really watched much of it back. Um, the ultimate ultimate 95. Uh-huh. I wanted to talk to you about that because that was like one of the first big year end uh, extravaganzas for the UFC. I think it was the first ever. Oh yeah, it was. It was, it was, it was uh, I'll say it was kind of like a Super Bowl. It's kind of like, you know, you got your, you've read all these other shows. Let's bring back, you know, some of the cream of the crop here right now. And they actually had other people that uh, were invited in that either declined it. They didn't want to jump into that, that, that big eight man tournament because yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, the eight man tournaments by themselves were just, they were a lot of fun and grueling. Um, well, they're fun, but they're grueling because the, yeah, you had course, to have, yeah. you had, had to be a very resilient person because you had to make short work of, of people the, the best you possibly could without taking any damage because the eight man tournament, you can win your first match but may not be able to go on because you might hurt your hand. You might, or you might take a, a cut. You might have broke your nose or something of that nature yeah. to where you can't continue on. The, the eight-man tournament, I, I just think that was the toughest part about it is the multiple matches. Of course. And being able to do and then be able to be to compete. Match number two, match number three, all in that, in that two-hour pay-per-view segment that they carved out. It was 150K on the line. Was that, I mean... Were were you pretty pretty jacked to be looking at 150k there to to win well, that tournament? Was that the was that the I, major I'll motivation? Say, I I was. I mean, because it was a uh, to me, it's like I get a chance to battle uh, battle for uh, 150k. You know, at, at the same token, it's kind of going okay three bid. It is literally it was the first time that you were going to know who your first opponent was. Yeah. It, you know, so again, when you got to I explain that to the folks that uh, back in the day when they used to run the eight man tournament. 
and there was not a, a weight class, you simply showed up to a Friday night press conference. So at this Friday night press conference, it's the first time, it's the first time that you actually meet the other seven men because women were competing at this point in time. Yeah. So you meet the other seven men at this first time. And so when they're all up at, at the uh, head table, you got four on one side, you got four on the other side, then you have the mediator at, at, at the podium. And they're just basically, well, well athlete number one steps, uh, stand on up. This is Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock stands this height. He's this weight. This was martial arts background. And, and that's it. Then he sits on down. Athlete number two, they go all, all down the line for all eight athletes. Then they pull out a bingo ball machine that has eight names on them. Spin on up. Okay, first name go. Boyce Gracie. Spin again. Ken Shamrock. So basically, match number two. Less than 24 hours before you walk in that cage, you finally know who your first opponent is. How many, again, when you look at modern day mixed martial arts. Yeah. And a lot of these athletes will go in anywhere between a six to eight month training camp for one fight how big guys how many uh, how many of these current crop of athletes would like to have one of these where it's like this russian roulette yeah you you, you don't know anybody and even when you finally do know them on friday night I can't pull up my cell phone and Google, okay, uh, let's, Cyrus Fees, what is his background here right now? I mean, uh, you, yeah. there's all kinds of stuff you can find out now, but Google didn't exist then. There was no fighter database at, at that point. Time. You literally, it was like the wild, wild west, and you're flying Everybody. by the seat of your pants. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, I, I think if something like that, uh, not that it, could happen at this point. I guess it could in certain locations. No, it, it's not. It's not even possible right now because you'd have to take away Google and everything. Else. But it, it, it's, I, the, the, there is. That's it's possible. It's, it's yeah, doable. There, it's doable. You know, the people can still do an eight man tournament now. They can. Uh, they may have to circumvent the rules a little bit to where, where they go one match this month, skip a couple months. Match leg number two of the tournament, and then another couple of us leg number three, just to you know to make sure that our athletes have got at least a month or so to be healed up for match number two, and, and that you're appeasing you know the various state athletic commissioners of that. But again, you know, even to bring up the word athletic commissioners and state athletic commissions, um, most of the athletic commissioners and. Uh, and that and, and the people that run these, they don't have that. They don't have an actual mixed martial arts background. Yeah, no, and, no, that 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 says a lot. That really, really does. And, yeah, even, um, even that's like even, even the referees, though. Even the referees, Cyrus. Most most your referees have never competed in that, so they they don't really understand some of the mindsets. What the only thing that really upsets me mostly about watching today's mixed martial arts product is the moment that. You knock me out. You hit me, boom, I'm, I'm laying on, on, on the mat, stuff like this, and you move right on in, but there's no hesitation on your part. You move right on in, and you start hammer fist at me, and I, I'm out. To me, it's like going, it says mixed martial arts. So one of the first aspects of, mixed, uh, of being a martial artist is that there's supposed to be a certain aspect of respect, honor and respect. To me, it's like you move right in and, and you don't take your eyes off me. You move right in. If, if I move, such moves at that point, yeah, hit me at that point. But if I'm out, lay right there, what I don't like is 
the guys simply just jump right down and they are just clubbing this person to death. Because they're, do you they're feel, so do relaxed. You feel, do you feel like, though, that that you can kind of maybe empathize with some of these fighters because they're telling them, I mean, you've been in these rules meetings, don't stop unless the referee stops you. Now, obviously, there are some situations where it is so clear-cut that a guy is 100% out, period, the fighter will step away. But then there's the situations where a guy will hit the ground and then he'll kind of wake back up. and. Correct. And, and he can continue the fight potentially, yes. but the referee steps in because he saw that he went out, saw the eyes roll back, but the fighter doesn't understand why it got stopped, that sort of thing. Do you, do you understand, though, why some of these fighters do dive in there? Because they've been trained not to stop until the referee stops them. No, no, it, it, it's a double-edged sword. It, yeah. It's what it is. I mean, because, because they've, been, they've been so conditioned to do this that they do it. I don't know. I just, I just go back to the point that I, I look at, all these athletes, you want to, your your career is going to be short. Most don't realize how short it's going to be. It's going to be short, and you're going to, and then you'll be out, and then you have to live in this body for the rest of your life. And the more strikes that you take to the head, because what what they don't test really is the damage that is taking place to the brain in the process. You can usually see the exterior. You can see a broken nose. You can see a cut. You can see cauliflower ears. You can see the extra type of stuff. Uh, even in boxing, uh, it's very prevalent that you wear headgear. So again, that you're not cutting uh, the, your, your workout. You're not cutting your workout part. You know, or the champ's not getting cut. It is in preparation for his match. No broken nose, anything nature. But you're still you're hitting this padded headgear, and 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 the brain is continuing to get around. bouncing around. Yeah. And yeah. I actually announced one other thing that again, Dan Severn still re- recreating himself just with the in the last. Um, Last month and a half, I've been working with a uh, company right now that is doing a very, uh, they're doing brain scans. I I actually had my brain scan for the first time ever just, um, I'll say, two two weeks ago. Now, it doesn't do me any, any real good to have it scanned right now because they did not have a base scan to view it from. So what, what, uh, what a couple of the men and I are working on right now is every year, whether you're a high school athlete, a junior high athlete, or even a collegiate athlete, every year in the fall, there's all the, this mass number of physicals that are being taken place. You know, it's that, that it's, it's very inexpensive, but they're checking, you know, make certain that your heart's okay. And, and just all, all kinds of aspects that they, they run for uh, over this, this, the standard physical. We're trying to make it, um, mandatory to actually implement a brain scan right at, right from the get-go so that you have this first brain scan so you have what's known as a base you have the base brain scan so that next year when you do again there's something to compare it to Makes so sense. it's um that's i'm working with what these men right now to do that and it's kind of going Is there they, a- they really want I mean, like I said, they really wanted to, to scan my brain. And, and I had, I love doing it. I go, but what good is it going to do? Because you don't have that baseline. This is my baseline, but, you know, next year they'll do it again. And we'll is see. There any, we'll is there any it. issues with, like, with the radiation and the way that a scan's done to where that No, no, be- no. The, the way the scan is done, it's basically, it's um, it, it just, it's, a, it's like a little hat that you put on. And it has all these different receptacles at different parts oh, okay. of the, you know, the uh, different parts that hit, hit on your brain. And it's just it's just a way that it's able to 
uh, scan and it, but also then there's like, there's a couple parts to it, but then it's like you, 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 you're on a laptop, you're working with your mouse and stuff like that to where, you know, now there's like reaction skills. There's like, there'll be like a tone, like that's like tone, 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 but then there'll be a different offset tone and they want to see how quickly okay. that you react to it. And, and do you think that. there'll be any pushback from, you know, especially, I mean, not, not even just from the fighting world, but, but the football world. I mean, I mean, that's a, that's a discussion that's always going on all the time when it comes to youth sports, when it comes yeah. to, you know, youth football, when it comes to professional football, college football is, you know, I think we can both agree that if you're a lineman and you've been playing football for 20 years, there's no telling how many concussions you've had yeah. um, in that period of time. Do you feel like, Listen, as much as we we love our country, right? There's also we also know that money controls our country in a very very big way with the way things are handled. At least, the way at least laws in a, are instituted. At least in a capitalistic country, you bet. <laughs> no, hundred percent. But there's pluses and minuses because yeah. you know the the money does really control what laws get instituted, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But do you feel like there'd be a lot of pushback from like an NFL or anybody that's lobbying for the NFL or lobbying for football that they'd be like, you know what? I don't know if a yearly brain scan is the way to go because that might knock out half of the people that are in our sport. <laughs> because of, think about that. I mean, that's. Yep. Sorry, I just uh, being, being a neighbor. Yeah, no, that that was my daughter swinging by because they 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 see my vehicle out here. They swing up by. It's kind of like I got to do the quick little wave. Yes, my daughter just uh, let me know. It's, no, it's all know, good. But what do you yeah. think about that though? Do you do you think well, there'd no, be some some backlash and pushback there? Well, there I'll say there could be, but but my initial thought when you were first saying it, I think there should be no no pushback at all. No, there um, shouldn't be. I agree, one hundred and fifty percent. Unless there are. There's a big change. I mean, it's like if, if they scan scan me and I was okay a year ago, but because I had you know half a dozen uh, you know concussions this past season, you know I come back and they see a vast difference now, and that and that's brought to my attention. It might be also brought to the attention of well, again, usually if you're talking with a doctor, that's a doctor patient privacy right there. Should nobody else should really know about this. So yeah. but you are, I was always saying, tell people, you're in control of your own destiny. What you, know, what you choose to do for work, things of nature, I, I, and on your health, you know, what, what you continue to choose to, to do or not to do. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we, we, we kind of address that. You're just saying to give people the information. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah that's all, all it is. I go, I, I, I just think that I think it's an important part to implement be, uh, and, and, and ironically, what I was told was one of the highest concussion rates is actually in girls' soccer. Okay. Interesting. I, I mean, it was. I mean, again, I, I kind of threw me hmm. for a loop there, but I'm thinking, oh, okay. But, but, but you think about soccer, I said when they kick the ball, you use your head as a deflected type thing. So the ball makes impact and, and you knock it right away. But uh, a lot of collisions where they were declining, but they also not only they climb with their legs, but they climb with their bodies or heads, too. and they're yeah. falling down. But it was just kind of surprised me when I, when I was told that. I mean, I, I just know that soccer is on the rise. Any any place oh, that has a yeah. any place that has a football field, it, it it's easy to double as a soccer field. Sure, and soccer is a very inexpensive sport. All you need is a soccer ball. <laughs> <You> <laughs> well, and a couple goals, but you're right. I mean, it, it yeah. really is. Yeah, it's a very yeah. it's a very especially if they've got a football field that's already there. It, it's a very simple 
program to, to bang on. Football, it's a very expensive program because look at all the football helmets, pads, the uniforms, and then you, you travel. It, it's just, it's a lot more expensive type of a sport uh, to maintain. Yeah. But it's uh, at a collegiate level, it's one of the biggest revenue sports. Football, basketball, baseball, and hockey. Yeah. And you got to look at there's, and, and all of those, there are certain aspects of concussions, you know, because yeah. there's guys that are, that are baseball, they're still in the base of it. There's still there's that collision, or they might get hit with a, a baseball uh, coming on in. I mean, that's why they're supposed to be trying to wear, wear the helmet, things of that nature. So all sports have a certain aspect of danger. Hockey's very, I mean, hockey, part of the fight, I mean, Referees actually stand back and let them let them fight it out for a little bit there before they go. Okay, you 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 two now go go to your penalty boxes, take a timeout. <laughs> so you know, let me ask you one really one major final question. Um, you know, I think I I love every time we get a chance to talk, and and I think you know we could talk for hours. Uh, that being said, I can't pay your daily rate and to do this thing for three <laughs> or four hours because you just outpriced me. <laughs> but 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 seriously, you know, you have so much you have so much to offer the sport of MMA, and as you know, it's as big as ever. Uh, there's a lot of organizations now, uh, not just the UFC, but Eagle FC and Bellator and PFL yep. and all these different promotions. Um, what do you feel like you could offer a company if they brought you in? Because I feel like it hasn't happened a lot. I've seen some guys have kind of got that treatment. Uh, I think Randy Couture has done that a couple different times, and they've even brought Hoist in. I know Bellator at one point had Hoist in there and some of these different guys. Um, what do you feel like you could offer a company, you know, if they were to bring you in that in that sort of a role to, to help Man. the fighters, to help the show, et cetera? Yeah. Magnitude of different types of things with, with myself, only because there's not very many coaches. Again, I, some, I might take a heat heat on a couple things I'm about to say, but that's all right. It's, it's still it's the, the blood and blood truth. That's never stopped you before. <laughs> yeah. It's a, there's a lot of coaches that don't do not know how to run a practice. They still allow, they, they want you to put the button up, put this headgear on. And you're still taking impact, and you, you can't do that like that. It, it's a I'm a big believer. You can grapple, you can grapple at 100, percent but you, even then, when you start to know that you're moving into danger areas, that's when you need to slow things down. Um, you know, at, at my own training facility, I was always big about when we got to the uh, the, the intense portion where, where where you really are working on it would be simulated striking like you know, I'm, I'm, so, I'm throwing things out, out there but but i'm literally as i'm throwing things out there i'm almost throwing punches stuff like that out there almost like a professional wrestler i throw it out there it, it i may touch every now and then but there's no impact there's no force upon it um it, it, but when you're grappling you can grapple and you could go I'll, I'll say we're gonna go we're gonna we're gonna grapple 100 uh when you find yourself get in get in position you need to slow it down you need to slow it down, and literally, you need to be able to. You, you need to know what what that means to do a tap, and and if you think that your opponent is not acting in a responsible manner, let it go. You still need workout partners, and that's the hard part. Is you are the guy that we're concentrating on. You're going to be fighting here in the next you know, couple of months, so we're concentrating on you and your benefits. So we have to. We we're here to protect you, and and uh, but by the same token, you have to treat your workout partners. Because nobody wants to be a rock and sock and robot and get beat up on thumped upon because you're still the human human nature is if you just thump me, oh I want to thump you now. That's just human nature. So again, it's kind of like going, treat your workout partners nice, 
because they're work, they're that steel sharpens steel. If you get some great workout partners, they're going to make you sharper, crisper. They're, they should be letting you know what you're open for. Um, so again, just you know how to train, how to train properly. But then there's things that I, you know, again for over the years I have been blending professional wrestling with mixed martial arts. So there's a lot of things I think that I could add to a promotion as to other type of marketing outlets that that could do. Even working with me just to bring me into a a fight show a day or two before the fight show to where some people that were maybe not thinking about going to fight uh, fight show. Now I go there and I do a, a seminar on this. I work with, maybe with law enforcement on this corrections on that. I go to local high school. I work with the, the high school wrestling program. What are you here for? Well, this coming Saturday night, there's going to be a show over at this casino or at this location. I'm here really for the show, but I'm trying to spread a little bit of goodwill throughout the community to realize these are not just barbarian athletes out there that they're trying to just knock each other out or twist each other's arm or neck off. These are athletes that are only going to be there for a short period of time and know they, they have to move on and they have to do something else with their life. I mean, I would tell people, I was a coach, I was a teacher, I did all these amateur wrestling clinics and, and, and camps, stuff like that. So really, what has truly changed about dance service life? Nothing. I jumped into professional wrestling. I kept those certain days going. I jumped into the cage fight world. I kept those safe days going. So now I, I say that my cage fight even pays me to say this, there, Cyrus. Yeah, my pay, my cage fight career is over, and it kind of pays me to say that there because it's kind of going. Well, you never know. They might end up having a master's division one day. They might have this, you know, this uh, this. Uh, uh, what, what's, I'm looking for the comical word for old people right now to where you get sponsors like uh, pens <laughs> and, uh, you know, just, just for men on there, do to pay companies, denture cream companies, you know, you know, mm. the great sponsors of the senior citizens escapades right there. But it's, <laughs> you know, I, I, I comically say that, but even when I, I'm up here in Wyoming, uh, uh, Wyoming, I can't think of the city here right off hand where I would be at this coming summer in, in July, as part of their Wyoming days. And the guy called me up because he wanted me to be first a part of his celebrity golf outing. I go, I'm really not a golfer. I go, put, put golf, sure. But, you know, to sit out there and maybe swat a bucket of ball, I, I could do that. But I want to swat it way over this way, way over that way. Nothing that's going to ever go yeah. straight. Yeah. But it, it's like going, I offered him up a few different things and he actually was laughing. And he goes, he goes, he goes, you're going to have more people at your events then we're going to have all these other events because I I, I, I pitched the idea of again, going to a local high school, just doing an amateur wrestling clinic. I go, I, I'll do one or two of it. Just all depends on the turnout. I'll go do one in one location, one in the other. And then he's like, and then I'm like going, do you have any kind of like an aquatic center? And he's like, well, he happened to be the manager of a big aquatic center. I go, I go, let me go in and, and into a swimming pool there. And I go, let me offer up a class to senior citizens about how to exercise in a pool to where now your weight is buoyancy, but then how to use your arms, how to use your legs, where it's a lot less resistance. But yeah. then the the real the real the real clincher here now is bingo with the beast. Oh gosh. Bingo with the beast. <laughs> but but, but it, it'll be a different one. I'll, I'll let the other I'll let the normal caller be in there being I go folks, but my whole thing is about, again to teach them how in the in the safety of your own chair how you do uh, half a dozen different exercises in your chair. And I'm going to do this at a bingo thing towards like, I'll call B24. But before we get to our next number here now, well, why should it go into, okay, let's do, uh, let's do some, some side bands. 
What the one side, other side. I get to be like, you can have some angry old ladies. Oh, I, I will be like, like I want to play bingo. They'll be out there like with that cane. I want to get you, old man. Yeah, no, it'll be. I may have to have body. I may have to have bodyguards, but the only thing I'll have to have bodyguards is bingo. I bet they are serious about their bingo. That is yes, for sure. <laughs> So well, Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Is there anything you want to plug? I know you got your hand in like a thousand different things, but uh, just I'll what, just if, if people want to get in touch with me, just go to my website at dansever.com. Just dansever.com. My different like social medias are there. They can get in touch. What about with your me, TikTok? But, Do you have a TikTok account yet? Um, I don't know if I honestly. I'm not sure about the TikTok. I, I got. I got. Uh, your daughter's there. She'll get you one set up. Okay. I I do have a couple of young guys that they, that they I send them something almost on a daily basis, and I go throw it out there. They have a blast because they they know that I have no problem making fun of myself and things of that nature. And so you know, when, when I think when you say TikTok. Aren't they the ones that are doing all this crazy little like like uh, fifteen to twenty five second uh, like little mini videos? Yes, yeah, sure. you're you're yes, either, yes, you're, yes. you're you're torquing your butt or something like that. Well, watch me torque my butt is not going to get me any viewers. I don't think. <laughs> no, but I'll, I'll take a piece of this interview where you sang that blues song, and uh, we'll see how it does on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> do that. Dan Sever sings the blues. Yes. <laughs> Dan, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me again. And uh, uh, we'll talk again soon. I know it. Sounds good to Cyrus. Thank you. I appreciate it as always. And that was the beast. Dan Severn. I, I absolutely love this interview. So much fun. I love getting Dan on a Zoom call and just talking to Dan Severn or just getting on the phone with Dan Severn. He's a guy that always gives you a good conversation, always has time for you, even though he keeps one of the busiest schedules that I know. That's how you stay alive for a long time is you stay busy. If you guys want to check me out, it's very simple. You can catch me on Eagle FC, Khabib's organization down in Miami. We're doing shows every month from the FlexCast Arena. It's an amazing studio, and it's always live and free on the FlexCast app, so check that out. Then Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. We're all across the U.S. Ain't even going to be going across the pond. BKFC, amazing. Get their app. It's $5 a month, and that gets you all of their events, period. Past events, events going forward, $5 a month, truly one of the best deals in combat sports today. And then, of course, UAE Warriors as well, which you can catch on UFC Fight Pass. I am uh, so happy to be a part of so many great organizations, and who knows what could possibly be next. But next time out here on In This Corner, we are going to have another one of my favorite people, a mentor of mine, the great Joe Martinez, is going to be right here on that podcast. So make sure you are subscribing and leaving reviews. And if there's somebody you want to see on In This Corner, well, it's very simple. Just let me know on social media. We're on every social media platform. Just look for at In This Corner MMA. And with that being said, let's close it out. I'm Cyrus Fees. We'll see you next time right here on In This Corner.